So do you guys go camping at all? Uh, you know, not really. No, okay. we're not, not not big campers. Yeah, we're not we're not either. In fact, never did even as a. I think one time our youth group went out and I was out in a tent and then I came home. <laughs> <laughs> That's your instead of your camping well, experience. You know, if this is what it's going to be like, I, I think I, I think I'll pass. I, I get only as a kid growing up, we did some camping. I with, oh, with did a you? group okay. of college guys. We we went out for two weeks and and did some camping. Right. But but really, as a family, recently, no, not not as much. Well, I bring it up because we had like a near camping experience. <laughs> couldn't really call. You almost camped. Oh, no. Well, the, the the great storm, the great storm came through a couple of weeks ago. Did that affect you? Did you lose any trees, power, anything like Lots that? Lots of limbs down where, where we're at. Boy, yeah, there in South St. Louis, limbs down all over those big oak trees, boy. Well, we had a tree that was just a block down and it actually fell over the power line, knocked out the transformer. Oh, so no. We, we were in pitch dark. It was absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah, what can you do in those kind of situations so we opened up all the windows and everything you know because it's summer it's hot yeah. and so we're laying in the bed and i think well this must be what it's like when you're camping you know because you've got you've got the fresh air blowing over you and it's like you're you're outside and uh, so here was my question and so you had some experience so you can probably answer this question how do you get the stupid frogs to shut up all night long? It's croak, croak, ribbit, ribbit. I can't get any sleep at all. I just shut up, you stupid frog. So is there a key to that when you go camping? <laughs> I think you're on your own, John. Those, those frogs have a mind of their own. Okay. Well, let's start the show then. I thought maybe it'd be helpful in case it ever happened again. <laughs> if you have another near camping experience. <laughs> yes, that's right. We're on a mission from God. Something completely different. Yeah, so everyone talks about how wonderful it is to go camping, to be out in nature, how peaceful. They don't tell you about the frogs, though, do they? Oh, man, just a <laughs> racket all night long. I didn't get any sleep. I was cranky. I'm sorry, could it be a more help? I don't yeah. know. That is the price you pay when you when you live life there on the banks of the Kaskaskia River. <laughs> so it might have been better if we'd been out in the woods. Other than there would have been wolves and, and cougars and stuff growling and owls going, hoo, hoo. <laughs> No, thank you very much. I'll shut my windows, turn on the air conditioning, and just listen to that nice hum of the air conditioner. There's peace and quiet for you, people. You can have the camping. <laughs> camping is not quiet unless you do it like in the desert somewhere, I suppose. But but yeah, camping is. Ah, uh, then you got the scorpions crawling into the tent and stuff. You I are don't just see not it. an outdoors person. I am are not. You? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this is wrestling with the basics. And you are. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. <laughs> <laughs> from beautiful South St. Louis. <laughs> no camping out there. No camping out there, no. <laughs> and I'm John Lekomsky. I'm pastor at St. Paul's Lutheran in New Athens, Illinois, and Trinity in Darmstadt. And I guess we already said we were the rest of the, the basics. Yeah, yeah. People figured it out by now. <laughs> you know, you read stories, you know, speaking yeah. of beautiful South St. Louis, yeah. you know, you read stories about how people used to camp out or at least sleep outside in the parks. Really? You know, when there's no air conditioning. Right they there take, across the street at St. Yeah, Francis yeah, Park. Yeah, Francis or Forest Park, and they would crundle up park. they just take a mattress or a blanket, and they'd sleep out there. Is that right? With everyone else. Yeah. 
Can you imagine that? You got no frogs though, do you? You got no frogs over there. You're like rivet, uh, City frogs. Yeah, no, no. That's uh, you may have a point. Maybe it's living by the river. That was I such think it's, a it's the price thing. you pay for that resort's lifestyle yeah. you live over on the banks of the Kaskaskia yeah, River. With that jumping carp. <laughs> with the Asian like, carp. All night long, I was afraid they were going to jump in my window. Couldn't <laughs> <laughs> get any sleep. <laughs> you know. You don't live on a houseboat. You live- <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I guess they jump, but they couldn't jump that far. Not that far. You're <laughs> far enough from the river, okay. I think. <laughs> so you've been doing hymns. That's what you guys been doing. We've been doing Old Testament, and you've been doing hymns. All right, now. There's no time for foolishness. <laughs> All right. Yes. Wow. Yeah, we're looking at some of our favorite hymns. Uh, and one of the hymns uh, that, that the congregation loves and that I love is... Uh, a hymn that well it used to be in the death and burial section of the hymnal. We always have these different really? these hymns are categorized by yeah, yeah. by different uh, topics, you know, whatever. But the death and burial, now it's in the Easter section in the new hymnal, the Lutheran service book that we use, the new er hymnal. Uh, but it said hymn. I, I know, I know, I know what hymn it is. Oh boy, what is it? <laughs> so excited. Yes, yes, that's what I've been saying. I know my redeemer lives. Yeah, I know my redeemer lives, yeah. and it's it's one of my favorites too. And uh, I wanted to just share a little bit of the you know, his- just just a quick sure. because now here's an interesting thing we we're not focusing in on on the favorite hymns but we do that every summer you remember when you were there uh, working with us we always ask people what their favorite hymns are sure and and that came up this this year oh, again good, too that good. was one of the ones that people wanted to sing and rightly so I I think it's just a, a beautiful piece yeah uh, so it's it's this hymn that's you know many verses what I think eight verses long yeah that's the only long, problem right? yeah yeah so if you're the so, organist. So did you do, you do you sing all eight verses or what do you do? Well, we did. Okay. You know, as we talked about this and we did all eight verses. You know, it's a hymn that comes up a lot of times in funerals and rightly yes, so. It it's beautiful yeah. for a funeral. Uh, and maybe maybe we don't always sing all eight verses at the funeral. It depends. Yeah. But uh, regardless, uh, whether you sing all eight or whether you just sing some stanzas, the point is made that he lives. Right. And that 29 times in this hymn. It says he lives. Really? Yes, he lives. I've never lives, counted him. In eight verses, it says 29 yes, times? Yes, oh, Those I... two words, he lives. And okay. then it even talks about the resurrection beyond that. But yeah, 29 times. And it just kind of hammers that point home. And what, one of the things I love about it is, is that it, it emphasizes the importance of Jesus living Certainly in the life to come, so preparing our mansion, right, and, and yes. heaven and all those things, that's wonderful. But even today, he lives to still, today, wipe away my tears. And all of those other beautiful things that that confidence, that assurance that our Savior lives, gives us today. So I think it, that's why people love it, not only yes. because of the comfort when we lose a loved one, uh, but like you said, that that comfort is for us day in and day out as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know that my Redeemer lives. What comfort this sweet I sentence know that gives. My re- no, that's right. That's next year we're going to do the all-musical versions. Oh, nice. Yeah, but not this year. we got to work on it. A song, a little dance. Yeah. That'll be good. Uh, so just to look a little bit at this beloved hymn, because one of the things I enjoy is doing the the, the background research of where did this hymn come yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. Uh, wh- what's the origin Because these are people that write this stuff. Yeah, 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 and I think they're shaped by their own life experiences, the way in which the Lord worked in their life, to now put pen to paper and to give us these words that we now sing. So, so who who is the author? It, you know, it's kind of a good, neat name for a hymn writer. It's Samuel Medley, isn't that nice? Oh, that's, that's perfect. A, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Uh, so, but but Medley's kind of an interesting guy. Uh, he was born in uh, 1738, uh, and as a young man, he enrolled into the the Royal Navy. Uh, but he was yeah. injured in war, uh, fighting the French fleet. So he became what we might call today a disabled veteran. Yeah. So he's he's injured. He has to leave active duty, and he goes to live with his grandfather for a while to kind of convalesce and heal up. And his grandfather's. He's not a Christian, is he? By the way, when he's in the Navy, I don't think he's no, a believer. You're, you're is he? right. No, he's, yeah. he's an yeah. unbeliever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but Grandpa is a believer. Grandpa's a Christian, and so he takes advantage of that opportunity to share Christ with his grandson. With... And isn't it kind of ironic if he had not been injured, that might not have ever happened? Yeah, think about that. So this idea that, that this injury is sort of a wake up call yeah. for him. That, that Medley realizes, okay, wait a second, I, I need someone outside of me. <laughs> I need a God. I need I need a Savior, right? And, and, then, and we perhaps should point out that the Royal Navy guys were probably not your Sunday school going type well, of people. Well, that's what I'm thinking, you know. <laughs> then the guys in the Navy can have a reputation, right? Yep. He's a sailor. Uh, and he's maybe living that rough and tough lifestyle, Um and then the Lord kind of slows him down, perhaps. Uh, this wake-up call, he needs someone outside of himself, and then Grandpa's there to proclaim who that someone is, specifically yeah. in Jesus Christ. And so uh, Medley starts going to church. He believes the word of the Lord. Not only that, he decides to become a pastor. And so he becomes a pastor, and he ends up serving in, in Liverpool, and he serves there as pastor for 27 years in the same congregation. Is that right? Not quite as long as you've been in the same yep, congregation. a long time. Uh, but still a long time in those congregations. And then he died at age 61, so relatively young. And it was due to those injuries, in part, that he passed away uh, that he sustained earlier. Uh but during his time as a pastor, he, he wrote hymns. He wrote lots of hymns. In fact, he wrote so many hymns that they were able How to... Many how many hymns did he write? I'm glad you asked, John. He wrote so many hymns that they were able to publish a book of just his hymns. Is that right? That's a lot of hymns. Medley. Medley. A medley, medley of medley hymns. But the interesting thing is when we open up our hymnals, at least, and we look in the index for the, the yeah. authors of hymns, there's only one hymn that he wrote Aww. in our hymnal. And it's it's this one, I Know My Redeemer Lives, which is kind of interesting because when you think about it, that's the one that has really stood the test of yep. time. And then when you think about that, you think, well, why? Why after you know almost 300 years of time, why are we still singing this hymn? And I think it's because of the sweetness that that sentence, you know, how sweet that sentence is, the comfort that that sentence gives. I know that my Redeemer lives. And just it's put so succinctly and so simply and it's a sentence that gives us hope and comfort, as we said before, uh, not only in heaven, but in this life, too. I know that my Redeemer lives. Um, and those are the words that I'm sure gave Medley comfort as he was in agony, as he was in pain, as he left uh, the Navy, even over those injuries. I know my Redeemer lives. You know, we, we did this uh, one year where we, we took the favorite hymns and we did the, the study yeah. on the people. And, and, and the thing that struck me is number one a lot of these people were not believers to mm -hmm. start off with a lot of them were people that converted to yeah. christianity they almost universally all had struggles and trials yes. very seldom are they living the happy life um and the third thing that i thought was really interesting seldom were they popular when they were alive most of these hymns become popular only later and I'm wondering if maybe that's kind of how it works because you know if if you if you write the big hit, <laughs> yeah. 
you got the number one hymn. Then you maybe get a little egotistical, a little pride. And it's almost like God said, I've used you to write this beautiful thing that will inspire people for generations, but you're not going to know that. You're not going to know that. But but that's okay. That's okay, because you will know it up in heaven. You will understand how I've used you. But probably would not be a good thing for you to know it while you were still alive. Perhaps so. Yeah. Perhaps so. Um the other thing I think is interesting is we look at some of our favorite hymns like Lift High the Cross and yeah. I believe What a Friend We Have in Jesus. They're kind of one-hit wonders. Yes, <laughs> so, that's true, too. So it's... it's A few of them, like the Wesleys, they they write yeah, yeah. Uh, several of them, but yeah. yeah. And, and it's it's for a specific moment or something happens in their life and it moves them to write this hymn, to put yeah. into words the work of God in their life. And then it resonates with other people, too. Because just as so many hymn writers perhaps had these traumatic things and these these experiences that, that moved them to perhaps or shape them to writing these hymns, so do we. Yeah. And yeah. so these words resonate with us, too, when we sing them. And I think that's why one of the reasons why this one has stood the test of time. I think you're right, because we connect with their human condition. And, and, they've, and, and see, it's all coming from the Word of God, though, isn't it, Matt? The things that he wrote... What, what's striking about it, they, they, they come right out of Scripture. You know, the mansion business and that he lives business and stuff. Yeah, these these could not have come except that God had first given them his word. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Verse 7, he lives and grants me daily breath. He lives, I shall conquer death. He lives my mansion to prepare. He lives to bring me safely there. Yeah. Yeah, it comes right out of John 14, right? That there you I go. go to prepare a place for yeah. you, you know, and he's going to take us there. Uh, verse 5, he lives to silence all my fears, to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart he lives all blessings to impart you know just it, it, people resonate with that because we do have tears we do have troubled hearts and yet point us to that redeemer who calms our fears wipes away our tears in this life and then finally when all tears are finally wiped away forevermore uh in heaven uh, so, but, so, so do you think that anyone's listened to wrestling the basics and has been inspired to write a great hymn I don't know. It could be a first. So if you have we should have a sure. hymn writing competition. <laughs> Send them go. in. <laughs> Well, Pastor Jolly John will sing your hymn <laughs> on Wrestling right. with the Basics. We'll see you when we do the all-musical Wrestling with the Basics in the future. So yes. we're looking for people to submit. <laughs> submit, please. Uh, uh, but as you, as you pointed out, though, um, it comes out of Scripture, right? Yes. And and the same is true here with Medley's hymn, and maybe even more so than some other hymns, because, yeah. I mean, it is word for word out of Scripture. So Medley in the 1700s, not the first person to come up with that sweet sentence, I know my Redeemer yeah. lives. Someone does much earlier than him, and that's what we're going to look at today, too. Really? Is, uh, we you mean look, he, he plagiarized? He's plagiar- he's, oh, yeah, my goodness. Don't, don't tell. Uh, don't tell our hymnal editors, but yeah, this is this is ripped out of somewhere else. Um, it's ripped straight out of the pages of Scripture. Oh, going to be a lawsuit, and he's going to owe someone some royalties, perhaps someone <laughs> yeah. by the name of Job. Job. So Job, J O B, is the one who first uh, pens Steve those Job? words. Steve Job, the Apple guy. Job. <laughs> uh, no, 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 not Steve Job. Just Job. Job. I think it's Job. Job. It's Steve Job. Anyway, okay. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, so this, this comes out of the Old Testament scriptures, that book of Job, where he says those very words, I know that my Redeemer lives. But I think to understand the, the significance, of those, significance of those words, it's helpful to know the context of Job's life. Yes. Just like I think this hymn takes on deeper meaning for me when I know the background. Those words spoken by Job take on deeper meaning for me, too, when I know why Job spoke those words and who Job is. 
So maybe the best way to get a snapshot of Job's life is going to Scripture. And, and uh, you have to think that Medley probably was reflecting on, and I had not thought of that. I, I knew, of course, that this comes from Job. But now you got me thinking, I wonder if Medley and his struggles and his trials was kind of reflecting on the things he read about uh I, I think so. Yeah. I think they're kindred spirits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that perhaps Medley looked to Job as an example of a faithfulness in the midst of suffering, enduring suffering. Um, and perhaps that's, uh, well, maybe he was even just driven to the book of Job, and in his reading of Job came across this beautiful, these beautiful words of faith. Uh, so we don't know. We don't know the whole story. But I like to think that, yeah. He could identify with Job. And as we read and reflect on Job's life, I think you and I and our listeners can probably relate to Job, yeah. too. Yeah. Where would you like me to well, start? Why don't we just event? start in the beginning, you know, and then okay. uh, let's you know, we get a, a flavor for who Job is here uh, in Job chapter one, beginning. Let's just go ahead and begin with okay. verse one. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright. One who feared God and turned away from evil. So right, well, good, guy, was, good guy here. Yeah, yeah, yeah so a good guy. So um, the timing of Job, as far as we can tell, is probably pretty old, like the time of the patriarchs. Okay. I mean, this is an old, ancient book. And so Job is living here, and he's blameless, upright, who feared God, turned away from evil. Does that mean that uh, Job was sinless? No, certainly not, right? But Job is someone who who walks with God. Maybe we could explain it in that way. Uh, someone who fears the Lord. Yeah, see, I like that. So the fear of the Lord always assumes that you are a sinner. Why would you be frightened? Yeah, yeah, good okay. point. Yeah. yeah, so he re- he realizes his weaknesses and his failings. Yeah, he realizes... But he still turns to God. That's right, yeah. and and we see that he even... He realizes the weaknesses and failings of his own family members and kids. Ah. And so he prays for them and intercedes for oh, them. Cool. It's just, he's, like, he's just a great guy, all right? Not sinless, right? No. But he's one who's faithful. Right, walks with God, fears the Lord. All right, uh, we learn a little more about Job, verses 2 and 3. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of these. So he's a very wealthy man, successful man. Yeah, so also successful, wealthy. And I, I think that's, you know, wealth in and of itself, money in and of itself, not a bad thing, not an evil. Here's this faithful man, Job, who has wealth. And he still fears the Lord, every, right? Every night I say, Lord, tempt me. <laughs> Make me rich. <laughs> but apparently he's thinking, yeah, Job could handle it, but you can't. Well, see, no, and uh, yeah. <laughs> you live on the banks of Kiskaskia. You, you got, you, oh, you know, yeah. breeze is coming through your bedroom. What more could you ask for? That's right. Uh, but I think that brings up a good point. So I've got a thousand frogs. A thousand frogs. <laughs> he's got cattle. You've got, got frogs. frogs. But... Is that why Job fears the Lord? Ah, okay. The 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 cattle, the donkeys, the the female donkeys, the the greatest among the people, the great wealth. Is that why Job fears the Lord? Mm, That's the problem. That's That's the question. That's the big question. And and who's asked that question? Well, Satan does, you know, and we'll see that in just a little bit. Okay, all right. So uh, we hear a little bit more about Job in okay. verses 4 and following. Yeah, the business about the children you had referenced yeah. there. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Wow, what a neat text. Isn't it something? Just praying for your kids. Yeah. 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 As kind of the head of the house here, what does he do? He cares about his kids. He prays oh. for his kids, right? He wants them to be right 
in God's eyes. Just a picture, I think, of of a father who's ra- trying to raise his kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Yeah, pretty cool. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, okay, let, let's keep going on okay. here. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. So what are we talking about? Angels here, you think, Matt? Or what do we got going on here? Yeah, angels. Okay, okay. so the sons of God. So, you know, yeah. that's kind of a tricky term. You know, I that thought, is, wait, yeah. wait a second here. I thought, you know, Jesus, got the only begotten son of God. Well, yes, he is. The only begotten son of yes. God. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so here it's it's... Another term for for angels, but we kind of give this glimpse of heaven, and it, it's 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 a strange one yeah. here. Okay, I'm going to admit that, but we kind of get this glimpse behind the scenes of what's taking place here. But I always like this. I like this picture because Satan is one of the angels. Uh, Satan was created by God. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you you brought up the reference to the only begotten Son. That's what makes Jesus different, unique. He yep. wasn't created. He was begotten, which is to say, he was always there yes. from eternity. These beings, on the other end, no God made them, just like He made you and me. Yeah. Yeah. I, we don't really say that angels are created beings, yeah. right? Sometime during those days of creation. God creates angels. So Satan was among them, and the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Ha! Ha! It doesn't actually say that in the Bible. (laughs) But I'm sure he did. The rest of the basic version here. Ha! <laughs> Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not okay, put a yeah, go, he- ahead. go ahead put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Okay, all right, let's stop there. Right. So Satan is is going where where you where have you been? God says going to and fro on the earth. <laughs> He's just wandering around. But I, I think that yeah, it picks up in that language about him prowling around. Like oh, a like a lion. roaring lion. Yeah, going to and fro. Yep. I mean, he really um, is prowling, sneaking, stalking. And, and you know why lions prowl? Yeah, that's it. They're yeah. looking for something to eat. Exactly. Something yeah. to devour. Something to eat. Um, but but here's really the central question of the book of Job, yep. okay, is does Job fear God for no reason? Yeah. You know, what is the reason why why Job fears the Lord, trusts in the Lord, right? And according to Satan, it's because, well, you put a hedge around him, Lord. Yeah. yeah, if things were going that well for me, I would fear the Lord too, right? <laughs> Boy, I'd be near perfect if yeah. things were going that well. Uh, so why does he fear uh, Why does he fear the Lord? Does he fear the Lord for blessings, material blessings yeah. of prosperity? Or does he fear the Lord because well, the Lord is... Our redeemer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, and then and we'll get to that. But as we look at Job's life, that that's what to keep in mind is is how is that question answered? Does Job fear the Lord for no reason? And then we have this in in verse twelve. What what's the Lord's response? And the Lord said to Satan, "Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand." So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Yeah. So God allows Satan for being really sort of this instrument now yep, yep. for really, I mean, testing Job. Uh, you know, we don't like to use that word testing maybe, but but here that seems to be the case, at least in Job's specific circumstances here. Uh, and 
and he's put to the test for sure. And we'll see that in the verses that follow. And, but it is still interesting that this is, again, not Satan being in control. It's God being in control. God says, I'll allow this. I've set limits on it, though. You can't touch his person. All right? Yeah. So I think that's the thing, because there are other religions that kind of pose that there's a power of good and a power of evil, and they're kind of fighting it out. Whereas the biblical picture is, no, there's only one power. There is no power yeah. other than God. Now, for whatever reason, God does allow evil, and sometimes he allows that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, we're going to go over. Okay. We're going to have to wrap up real quick. Oh, we're done, aren't we? We're done. <laughs> we, we should be done. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we're just going to have to hand this over to the people here at KFUO to, and trust in their editing capabilities. And we'll see what happens. Hopefully you're hearing this portion of, of wrestling with the basics. But we'll catch you next week as we uh, continue with Joe.